And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I'm Tom Laurie, and I will be your host today. It is great to have you join us. Want to raise a big subject today? It is our modern free market capitalist system and the three major challenges it faces. I use the word challenges, but dilemmas may be a better way of describing it. As a challenge suggests an obstacle that can be overcome by making greater effort, but a dilemma implies that there is no obvious right answer. This topic And how we address it has major repercussions for all of us, our careers and our lives. The first dilemma is illustrated by the widening disparity in incomes and wealth in the United States, as well as in the world. How to make free market capitalism work better for everyone, not just the educated, the skilled and the lucky is the challenge. The second is illustrated vividly by the Enron Arthur Anderson fiasco in the early 2000s. How to ensure a culture of integrity, one in which people who run companies, especially big ones, strive to merit the trust of investors and employees. And the third is exemplified by current battles over the federal budget and similar local dramas playing out all over the country. How to ensure that our enthusiasm for harnessing private motives to produce goods and services efficiently does not blind us to the need for public goods and to the benefits of communities working together towards share goals. Today, to talk about these dilemmas and what it means for you, we have as our guest mentor, Dan Hesse, who is a former CEO of Sprint and who serves on the board of Just Capital. Dan was the president of Sprint from December 2007 to 2014, uh, included in his career serving as CEO of Embark, Terabeam, and AT&T Wireless. During his tenure, J.D. Power recognized Sprint 20 times for excellence in customer service and Glassdoor regularly listed Dan as one of America's highest-rated CEOs by employees. Dan's Dan's views on business is that it's a vocation. It is conscience-driven, and ethical leaders can make a very positive impact on the world. Dan and his work at Just Capital may just be part of the solution. Welcome, Dan. Thanks, Tom. Good to be here. Thanks for taking time to be today's guest mentor. To put things in context, tell us about how you got about Just Capital, how you got involved, and what is it doing to improve the world? Well, I belong to a group called the Business Council, and it's current and retired CEOs from big companies. And I saw a presentation by Just Capital about a plan they had to, if you will, align the interests of Main Street with with Wall Street. Uh, And I was uh, enamored and impressed with what they wanted to do. And in essence, what Just Capital had done is gone and surveyed the American people, about 72,000 of them, about what kind of behavior they wanted to see from companies they bought products from, companies they invested in, or companies they went to work for. Uh, and But what they also were doing at Just is, given these were important, and I think it was 84% of the American people said, I will pay more for a product of a company that behaves well. 80% said, I would go and work for a company that behaves well um, and take less pay to, to go do that. Uh, just went out and got hard facts and data from lots and lots of sources to say if this is the way that the American people define what just corporate behavior is, we can go get the data and provide this information, which almost all Americans, by the way, Democrats and Republicans, said they wanted to know how customers were behaving along these items. 
if we went in and provided that, that they would use it. So that's how I got involved. I went up and talked uh, to, actually, if you will, the, the founder uh, and the CEO of Just, and um, uh, talked to them. They asked me to join the board, and uh, it's been a uh, it's been a labor of love. How long have you been with them? About a year and a half. And you've got a pretty impressive board. Could you talk a little bit about the others that are on the board and what they bring to the table? Well, um, everybody brings something <laughs> something different. So, you know, Deepak Chopra um, has, you know, I think a, a terrific moral compass and understands um, good and and how to define and describe uh, good. You have Ariana Huffington, who really understands PR and publicity and communication. Uh, so there are a number of people on the on the board. Each of us, we believe, brings uh, something different. I'm the token former CEO on the board. And uh, how is how is it? Is it a, it's a company or it's an organization? Is it a nonprofit? Is it it's funded a, in any yes, way? It's a nonprofit. Yes, it's a nonprofit uh, organization. So it depends upon, if you will, fundraising and funds, uh, because it's it's expensive to go out and and do the work that we do. And I, I believe you guys publish a list every year of uh, just companies. Yes, we do. Um, we uh, we publish a uh, a list of we we take the Russell 1000 index, which is roughly the 1000 largest companies in the United States. And if, if there's not enough data, public data, on a company, we won't rank them. Or there's certain sectors like REITs that we don't rank. But I think last year we ranked 875 of the Russell 1000, and we rank order those companies based upon the just criteria and the data from 1 to 875 overall. And then we rank them by industry, so telecommunications or financial services or what have you. So if you're, a, if you're interested in how a company has performed in these rankings, and again, they come out once a year, you can, look at the overall, you can look at the overall rankings, you can look at the rankings by industry, or you can look at the rankings by issue. So let's say I'm really interested in sustainability in the environment. We'll rank companies in terms of how they perform on that issue, because that is, if you will, the environment is, uh, and the planet is one of the, we'll call it stakeholders, that um, is important. So um, in the data, what we found, for example, is that the definition of, of corporate behavior, what, they, what the American people want to see, was a little different than what I expected. And as a CEO, I always wanted to do the right thing. Um, the American people believes that how you treat your employees is clearly number one. Number two, your customers. Number three, your products. Are they high-quality products, and are they... Um, are they beneficial for society? Then the environment, then the communities, and then shareholders. Shareholders are important, but not as important as, as some other constituencies. So and you can go and you can actually look at the data by these by these criteria as well. It's all on the website. Yeah. Oh, it's on the website for Just Capital. That's correct. JustCapital.com. JustCapital.com. Okay, we're going to go to break. Come back and talk some more about Just Capital. We will continue with Dan Hesse's journey from becoming the most influential person in mobile technology, a Sprint CEO, to being an advocate for just capital. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. feelgreat.vip to learn more. 
Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com and mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and today we are talking with former Sprint CEO Dan Hesse, and now board member of Just Capital, where he and others are investing their time and talent into how we can make free market capitalism work better for everyone, not just the educated, the skilled, and the lucky. Dan, when before the break, we were talking about Just Capital. One of the questions you were talking about the rankings have has Just Capital have you people have you seen a change in behavior where people are now trying to change their behavior and companies to move up on these rankings? Uh, yes, too we're early? seeing. Uh, um, we don't have it quantified in terms of how much behavior has actually changed as a result of our rankings, but we are seeing a significant amount of corporate engagement with us, which is what we want, which is companies um, who both have performed well and companies that believe they should improve their performance coming to us, working with us on what did you learn from the American people? How do we stack? I think a lot of companies find it very interesting for them. How do we stack up against our industry? How do we stack up against other companies? And in particular, what we're working on and bringing forward are what lessons can other companies learn from those that are near the top of the list? What do they do to, um, to be so high, so highly ranked? So, for example, um, what we found of the companies near the top of the rankings, almost all of those companies have really strong people-centric and customer-centric cultures. And you know, those cultures, it's like a virtuous cycle. If you have happy employees, they treat customers well. You can tell when you walk into a store or walk on an airplane or what have you, when those employees like what they're doing and you know, like their company, they do a better job of serving customers. Employees, on the other hand, love to have satisfied customers, love to be empowered to serve the customer well and to make them happy. That makes them feel better. It's very much of a virtuous cycle. So that would be an example of the kind of lessons that other companies can learn. So we're sitting down with companies, we're talking to companies, we're asking them for more of their information because the other thing we're interested in doing is also getting access to information that they may not be reporting. It'll make our data stronger, our rankings more robust, uh, this corporate engagement where they provide us, for example, what are, all they, you know, what are they doing in terms of sustainability beyond what's, what's reported? And what we're hoping is to see um, a, uh, we'll call it an improvement in uh, in stock price and financial performance as well as these rankings as consumers will vote with their wallets in terms of the products that they buy, will vote with their feet in terms of the, the companies they go work for, and very importantly, will also vote with their wallets in terms of who they invest in with those you know stock prices perhaps going up. One more point there, though, what we have found is that the companies near, you know, you're just 100 companies, let's say the top 100, have for a long time significantly outperformed other companies in terms of return on equity. So we're also trying to get across the message that doing good, if you have a long-term view, doing good actually does benefit shareholders over the long term. Well, it would seem to me for people that are in transition or out of work that this list could be extremely important to them with regards to their job search uh, and helping to identify companies 
uh, that they should go work for or would like to work for because it lays things out pretty nicely. And particularly in the world that we live in today where talent and there's a lot of competition for talent, not just in the U.S., but uh, globally. Uh, has this also been your experience? Absolutely. And um, and we hope it'll be very valuable for that as well. And we're seeing it actually generationally. Um, the, uh, the students that are graduating now, I think, pay more attention to the behavior and the corporate responsibility, if you will, of companies than, than my generation did way back when, which is a good thing. So, and, I, and I noticed this when I recruited. So when, when I was at Sprint, I would go to a number of university campuses to recruit, and I would talk about all that we did from a, we'll call it from a customer, from a, a corporate responsibility, a CR perspective as a recruiting tool. And it was a very effective recruiting tool because we were you know, in Kansas City and we're competing against America's best tech companies who might be in Silicon Valley or Seattle or New York City, which were cooler places to live. And I had a number of people who were working at Sprint, young people said, the reason I came to work for Sprint was because of all the good works that Sprint does. So we hope that this, these rankings, these just rankings, will help to highlight that across the country and will help the best companies attract the best people. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Today we have Dan Hesse, the former CEO of Sprint, as our guest mentor, and we're talking about the challenges and solutions for capitalism in the 21st century. You had mentioned uh, the competition between Silicon Valley and Kansas City. Well, since I sit out in the heart of Kansas of Silicon Valley, I can bet that it's a lot less expensive out there in Kansas City. That's one of the things that's strangling this area is the cost of living. Um, it's so true. So uh, my son <laughs> graduated a year ago uh, in computer science, and you know, he was evaluating you know two alternatives: one in Seattle which is where we lived before here. We love Seattle. And here, he just looked at the difference in the cost of living and you know did the math, and Kansas City started looking real good. Yeah, the young people, many of them are here for a short time, and then they're trying to figure out a way to get to a lower-cost uh, place to live. Uh, it's just the, the price of being in Silicon Valley. So why, why should we be concerned about... Not about companies that don't uh, follow the rules of good goodness and just capital. What, and I'm thinking of more globally now. What what is the uh, overriding concern? Yes, uh, but for now, what we want to make sure is that we get the U.S. done well before before we expand globally, because uh, it's what we're finding is just um, it's it's extremely complex. The amount of data that's required, you know, let's walk before we run. Uh, and also really build credibility by doing it well in this country first. So I think there is an opportunity to go global, but right now we want to make sure that uh, um, that we just focus on the Russell 1000. And many of these are global companies, but they're U.S., largely U.S. headquartered, at least traded in our exchanges um, companies. Uh, that's We want to get that right first. Well, it seems to me in this political environment that capitalism is coming under attack again. So that would, at least from my point of view, that would certainly heighten my concern. Uh, I, with you, agree that capitalism is still the best uh, way of creating jobs and uh, increasing wealth of a nation. But there seems to be a, a, a move afoot to try and uh, we've always had this battle with capitalism, but it seems to be more intense. So I, I think it's certainly something that's coming in a, at a good time. Now, with the work that you're, you're doing at Just Cap, are you going out to the business schools and talking to the uh, business schools, the professors, the students, uh, and engaging them and educating them on this? Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, I've talked at some uh, schools, and I'm actually getting ready to go talk uh, at another one about this subject. And I find students are extremely interested uh, in uh, in the subject so it's resonating it's resonating very well on uh, on campus and i think you know this issue of uh, of of capitalism uh, it is there's you know there are socialist movements on both the right and the left uh, and and i think quite frankly you know even though capitalism is by far the best economic system ever tried uh, and i think our founding fathers would probably be turning in their graves right now if they you know if they you know listen to what's going on in terms of, we'll call it everything from socialism on one end to the alt-right at the other, but capitalism can be improved. 
uh, and uh, and that's really our our intention. And I don't think the way to improve capitalism is to increase regulation. That's extremely inefficient. But capitalism will be, if you will, our own will be our own enemy, and we'll get more regulation if we don't take it upon ourselves to be more responsible. And I think that um, if you let consumers and customers, the American people, if you will, regulate with their wallets, all they need is the information, and I think capitalism can improve dramatically. And you mentioned to me when we talked before the show about most company, many companies. I'm not going to say most, but many companies are incorporated in Delaware, which is uh, is problematic in itself. And why is that? Um, I understand that from you know, there's of course a lot of legal precedents, and and generally, you know, what I found that the general counsels like to incorporate in Delaware uh, for um, for kind of corporate corporate reasons, and I think governance is well defined and what have you. So it's nothing against Delaware, but what has happened in terms of Delaware law. Uh, over the years is that um, it has is basically all about the shareholders. I mean, the shareholders are really the only constituency that that matter. and um, it makes it it makes it more and more difficult for boards and leaders to do things that are at the benefit of other stakeholders like employees and customers if you can't prove an immediate benefit to uh, to the shareholder and and that's problematic. But if, in fact, you get more business by being responsible, you can show revenues are going up, your stock price goes up because investors invest, you get better employees, then you're aligning, if you will, shareholder interests with the interests of all your other stakeholders, and that's the goal of Just Capital. Okay, we're going to go to break, and when we continue, we will be with Dan Hesse, CEO, former CEO of Sprint, who left an indelible mark on the wireless industry and is trying to do the same today for the business world more broadly. If you have any questions or feedback, call anytime at 844-810-8255. That is 844-810-TALK. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org. Oathbook.org. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize 
digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com. And mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Lorian. Today, we are talking with Dan Hesse, the former Sprint CEO, who is now spending time helping others evaluate companies against the values and priorities of the American people. We are delighted with the response that our show has received. If you've missed any of this show or any previous episode, you can download our podcast by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. That is thementorsradio.com. Remember to, to subscribe while you're there so you do not miss any future shows. All of the content that is available is for free. So let's go back and spend a few more minutes on Just Capital. I One of the things that was fascinating is the fact uh, that you've just established an electronic transfer fund uh, at Goldman Sachs. Tell us about that, that, that uh, for Just Capital, uh, how that's performing and how it was set up and well, Goldman Sachs uh, was very interested in what we were doing at Just and launched the first ETF, as you mentioned, and it was the most subscribed to ETF at launch of any ETF in history, which is basically like an index fund, a way to invest, and which is important to us because that's kind of the three-leg of the three-legged stool in terms of you know where employees decide to work, what product consum- consumers want to buy, and the third being where they want to invest. And so companies, I could tell you at Sprint, we very much wanted to be part of different indices because if you know there's so much money being put into these ETFs and funds, the more investment goes in, the stock price increases. So um, we believe that this will help uh, just and take uh, and make it more uh, visible and important to corporate America to have a good just ranking because they'll want to be part of this, this ETF, and we expect there will be others. So, so far, an extremely successful ETF, and uh, even though well-performing companies and the just index have historically outperformed other companies, we think this will even increase that, if you will, delta or difference in performance vis-a-vis the rest of the pack. How many companies are included on that index? Roughly half. So we include the the top half of the of the just rankings. So it's not just the very very top of the we'll call it the, the just rankings, but the ETF are basically the um, the uh, the top fifty percent of U.S. companies in terms of their uh, their corporate behavior. And do you think there'll be a cap on the number of companies you include in the rankings? Well, for now, I don't think we have any plans to change for a while of, you know, just focusing on those, we'll call it the Russell 1000. I do believe once we really believe we um, are good and strong at it, we will expand it to include a larger group of companies. But, but right now, our focus is on doing the best job we possibly can on just America's largest 1000 companies. Well, one thing for sure is if you were to, if you do restrict it or cap it, you're going to be uh, putting CEOs on the firing line to try and improve their ratings so they can get into the top 100, top 500, top whatever. Uh, it seems that would, at least that would be my inclination, having people fighting to get onto this ranking, into this fund. We'd like to see that. I don't know. Yeah, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as we uh, look, down the road here, we're talking about uh, capital. We're talking about people capital. I am. Uh, I was very interested in an article. I think it was the, yesterday or the day before in the Wall Street Journal about Gen Z, which also raises a lot of questions about the millennials. And when you're talking about just capital, we're talking about talent, and we're seeing uh, differences in the talent that's available in, ter- in terms of their attitudes. 
uh, towards uh, work. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to read the article on Gen Z, but I, I'm sure you've read enough about the millennials. What? So the Gen Z is people born 1997 and later, and is a group of about 67 million, includes uh, 17 million who are now adults and beginning to enter the workforce. What are your thoughts, and I'm thinking about just capital, and the work attitudes that these groups are bringing into the uh, companies? And I, I guess the appeal of, it sounds like the appeal of just capital would be the same for both groups. I'm not sure, but sounds like it. But what are your thoughts on these? I believe that. I, yeah, I, I read the article uh, because my youngest is a Gen Zer. Uh, born in 1998, he's a college sophomore, and, and a number of the students that were interviewed in the article were, you know, kind of in, in college uh, right now, and uh, and I can see that, and that's a good thing, I think, for employers. Is not only is this a, a, an ethical generation, I think that will focus on these issues, but this generation is a hardworking, very practical generation, which is which bodes well for the U.S. economy and for businesses going forward, it'll make this a very attractive generation to corporations in terms of attracting them. So um, uh, I um, I thought it was a very positive article in terms of the, um, the generation that will be inheriting these companies going forward. I think they're both, uh, they're, they're, they're good. Um, I also think that they have seen, which is a, uh, which I think is also good, it came through in the article, they've seen parents lose jobs. And they know how difficult that is and how hard that is. And hopefully they will take steps uh, to make sure that there's as little of that in the companies that they work for and run going forward as possible. Yeah, one of the things that they mentioned in the article is that this is a generation that was scarred by the economic and social turbulence of the last 10 years. Uh, so that's uh, shaped them in a very, di very different way. Uh, it also mentioned that they are postponing risk-taking rites of passage, such as drinking, uh, getting a driver's license, and sex. I, on the driver's license, I've got uh, a couple of grandchildren who have deferred getting a driver's license, which I found fascinating because when I was a teen, everybody wanted to get the driver's license as quickly as possible. So there's definitely a difference in the uh, things that are being valued by this group and uh, what, oh, oh, absolutely. I had to twist my son's arm to go get his driver's license. He didn't want to go down there. And I said, yes, you will, because I'm tired of driving you to every baseball <laughs> practice. This is when you're in the high school. You want to go to practice, you learn to drive. Well, it's, it's and, and I would imagine, because they talked about this in the article, too, is the uh, companies are having to rework their training to replicate YouTube videos since uh, these young adults have been raised on smartphones, something that you had a role to play in, but the whole way they gain information. And let's come back to that after the break. Uh, so we're, we're, we'll come back and talk with, uh, we're talking with Dan Hesse, the former CEO of Sprint, and he was uh, very responsible for the wireless uh, generation, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the impact of that on others. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org. Oathbook.org. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. 
All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code mentors. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. And now... Back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. Today we are talking with former Sprint CEO Dan Hesse. We've been talking about just capital, about millennials, Generation Z, the competition for talent. And I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the future of wireless and where it's going. Dan, what do you what do you see as the big trends out there with regards to our something that's now an appendage to everybody's body, the mobile phone? Well, you know, the mobile phone is uh, has just been something amazing to watch uh, during my career, uh, and it's been um, it's been a privilege to be part of its growth and evolution through the various G's, and G stands for Generation Not Gatorade. Uh, you know, 1G was analog. That was basically the car phone. 2G were the first kind of digital phones that allowed, you know, allowed texting. But 1G and 2G was basically people communicating with people. Then in 3G came smartphones, where they put internet browsers in the phone, so it was for more than just calling. And the iPhone is the most famous of of those smartphones. And 3G and 4G was primarily about people getting access to information, entertainment you know, browsing the web and what have you. Uh, and they say that, you know, 4G alone contributed $2 trillion to the U.S. GDP. They're predicting that 5G will contribute $10 trillion to U.S. GDP. Now, these are, these are predictions. And what 5G is primarily for is what's called the Internet of Things. So, you know, 1G, people to people, 2G, people to information, 3G is just thing to thing if you will, or device to device, people aren't in it at all, where everything's wired uh, from your car to your washing machine to your clothes to your watch. There's just all of these things that are connected all the time. Um, and uh, uh, it'll, be, uh, it'll be interesting uh, to watch what happens with this. And, and really what 5G does is it provides a lot more capacity and a lot faster connection, what's called latency, so things can go back and forth, messages, you know, in nanoseconds, back and forth, which is important for some of this automation. But think of just data being collected all the time, a massive amount of data. So the big issues are going to be privacy and security, and there will also be other issues that we have to deal with. So if you think of kind of the history of society, you know, people were worried as we moved from, if you will, an agrarian to um, an industrial society. Then they were worried about another phase when women came into the workforce. Would we be able to absorb it? Then phase three is from industrial to service, which is kind of what we're in the middle of now. And and what the president is trying to stop from moving away from this country are those in, in industrial jobs. Uh, and um, and the real question is, that a lot of people have is with the level of of automation that is coming with really 5G, where you have robots and things that are so smart and there's so much data and there's so much that they can do with artificial intelligence, algorithms, robotics, what's going, what is work going to be and how many jobs can, uh, can be or will be displaced. And, uh, and that is the big question mark. I would say of all the things that we've been through, this one will be the most challenging, is making sure that there is good, meaningful work for everyone in um, in the world of self-driving trucks, self-driving cars, and a lot of the other um, automation that's, that's that's coming. 
This is Tom Lohr. You're listening to The Mentors Radio. Today we have Dan Hesse, the former CEO of Sprint, and we're talking about the future of wireless technology. So 5G, I'm in the world of healthcare, and one of the things that I have seen in the past few years, and I've been involved in to some extent, and I also sit on the uh, Dean's Council at UCSD, and they've got a large effort in this area, sensor technology. I would imagine this gets back to 5G, Internet of Things, uh, the sensor Absolutely. technology. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? What have you seen? That is an excellent um, example of, of 5G and the Internet of Things. In terms of medical, where you have all sorts of sensors and devices, you might have sensors in your clothes. Uh, there's one thing I was just reading about where you have a skin patch on that if you can take a pill, sometimes you'd have to wait a day or two to see how medicine reacts and if it's working inside the body, that um, the patch um, uh, can talk to a chip that's, 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 that's you know, in the pill and it'll tell exactly how that's working. And it'll, you know, they'll send the information right to your smartphone, which then contacts the doctor. You can go right down the list. Uh, and I actually believe that from... Um, a generational perspective from an age perspective, largely driven by medicine and telemedicine where you can remote monitoring, remote diagnostics, but with speech to text for uh, people who are hard of hearing or text to speech uh, or, um, or automated assistance and robots and self-driving cars and those kinds of things that will be coming down the pike will allow older people to stay independent for a longer period of time, as well as communication and social networking, which will make it easier not to become a shut-in and lose communication with other people, that being very important. I think we're headed for the golden age of the golden years, where the, where the aging generation will benefit more than any other age group from all of the technology that's coming with telemedicine, which you brought up being one of the big drivers. And there is um, also a push I, I saw by Verizon and I'm sure others into content. So the game is changing with regards to the suppliers of the phones. Uh, can you comment on that? Any thoughts there? Well, you know, every industry is is uh, is is changing the, the lines of demarcation. So you know, look at uh, AT and T uh, acquiring, you know. Acquired Time Warner, acquired Dish, uh, Verizon, as you say, you know, getting into getting into content and, and programming. Uh, you say, you know, what what business is Amazon in? You know, they started uh, in books, then they went against pretty much all kinds of marketplaces. Uh, they now have physical grocery stores. Uh, they're in search uh, with Alexa against Google. They're looking to go into competition with the, you know, the post office and, and UPS with with drones and their own delivery, they're in the cloud. I mean, just the industry, the traditional industry boundaries are going away, and lots of it is being driven by wireless and mobile. So you mentioned your son is in college. What is he studying as a sophomore? Uh, he's studying economics. So uh, he's uh, he's an econ major. And what is and his the older brother graduated in, graduated in computer science a, a year ago. And he does virtual reality and augmented reality. So that goes to the heart of my question. With all of this stuff, and you're right out there looking at the bleeding edge, what would you advise somebody that's just starting their college education on a career on a educational track that could lead to a, a career track? Realizing there's going to be so many options, it's hard to figure out where you where things are going to be in five to ten years. Well, I think first and most importantly, you should study what you're most passionate about. Uh, that, um, uh, if, for example, a STEM career isn't for everyone. If you just looked at it, though, analytically, where are the most jobs? Where are the most high-paying jobs? Where do you have about 100%, maybe 110% chance of getting a job if you graduate? A STEM background in you know, science, technology, um, engineering, math. Um, but you know, my son is studying economics, and... It's what he's passionate about. There's also going to be a tremendous demand for uh, for graduates with all kinds of undergraduate disciplines because you can always learn in the company. One of the mentors I learned the most from in my career uh, never went to, at AT&T, never went to college, 
but moved all the way up into the top officer ranks of the company because his his university was the company. He moved through every department, learned everything he could. And, you know, once you start your, you know, once you get into a company, day two, no one cares where you went to school or what you got your degree in. It's how hard you work and how well you work. So I would say um, pursue an education that is of interest to you. I would agree with that. I also have a grandson that's in economics, just started his freshman year, so they can compare notes. It gives them a broad foundation. (laughs) Uh, We're going to come back in a minute after a break, and we're going to continue our discussion with Dan Hesse and his journey uh, at mobile technology and in the world of creating just capital. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have MyPillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially non Profits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at kml-pc.com that's kml-pc.com kml-pc.com and mention the mentors and now back to the mentors where remarkable ceos challenge your thinking about life and business Welcome back. This is Tom Lauren. Today we're talking to former Sprint CEO Dan Hesse. And we've been talking about a range of subjects, including the future of wireless and the future of capitalism and what can be done to make sure that it's not just for the educated, the skilled, and the lucky. Dan, as we move through this last segment, I had a couple of more questions, a little bit more broad. What? How do you approach each day when you get up? I, uh, when I, before I go to bed, I have a little pad by my bedside and I just make a few notes, kind of, I start a to-do list. I also, of course, have always, unfortunately, have the things from yesterday's to-do list upstairs at my desk, which I had not marked off. And then when I get up in the morning, I, you know, I, I, I 
basically create a new to-do list. That's the first thing I do every day. I know what I want to get accomplished that day. I have them all listed in rough priority order. And at the end of the day, I measure kind of how good that day was by how many things I crossed off it. And when you're not working on just capital or your boards, what? how do you spend your leisure time? Uh, well, I, I like to play tennis. I, I like to work out. Um, I have uh, I like to travel, so a good deal of it's uh, traveling. I like to spend time with my friends and especially my uh, my family. But I I, um, I I do spend between my my nonprofit and for profit boards, and also going to speak. I'm asked to speak a lot on university campuses or at other conferences. As a matter of fact, tomorrow morning. I leave to uh, give a um, a talk at a uh, the FBI is holding a session with uh, chief information officers. I'm going to go talk about how to talk to the CEO about cybersecurity. So on a variety of subjects. Well, I'd I'd love to be on a, f- a fly on the wall for that one. There's, that's been, <laughs> had a little controversy attached to it in the last few years. Uh, what do you what what is it? Or I should say, how much do you read and what do you read? Um, is is this a Sarah Palin question? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I read I read the um, the Wall Street Journal six days a week and get the New York Times on Sunday. So that's why I had read the journal article you mentioned. So I, you know, that's that's what I read. And I also um, I have a number of uh, of um, emails I get from different kinds of. Um, We'll call it news organizations or news curators that I trust. You know, I think one of the great advantages of the mobile internet age is, you know, it used to be, especially if you lived in a one-paper town, there wasn't all that much news or information available to you. Now everybody online can get access to everything, uh, which is a plus. But so much of it isn't curated. So much of it isn't fact-checked. Yep. Um, that that's an issue or problem. So I have certain places I go to get my news. And then in the evening, I usually watch both PBS News and I'll watch uh, Lester Holt. And we're out of time. Thank you very much for being with us, Dan Hesse. Thank you for your important work at Just Capital to solidify the future of capitalism by making it work for everyone, not just the educated, the skilled, and the lucky. If you tuned in late, you can listen to this and past shows by going to our website, www.thementorsradio.com. When you're there, subscribe to future shows and listen to the podcast of this show. Thank you for listening. We will be back next weekend at this time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. On behalf of Rick Brutico and myself, Tom Laurie, be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.